Good morning, Bree and family. Good morning to those of you joining us online as well. It's good to be here with you today. Uh, you might have noticed if you were here last week that numbers were down just a little bit. Uh, how, how did Mike Wells do last week if you were here? All right. That was a little more enthusiasm than I was hoping for. I asked him to set the bar low for me. Um, uh, the rest of us, so many of us, were actually in Berlin, Ohio, for a very important reason, as we had our very first annual marriage retreat. How many of you were there at our marriage retreat? By applause. Four of you, good. Um, I remember seeing more, but you know, my memory is not what it used to be. Uh, we, we had a fantastic time, and, and, and we thought it was, what, you might ask, why is it important enough to take most of the staff, uh, most of our volunteers, and be gone for an entire weekend? It's because marriages matter to God. And frankly, our neighbors in our neighborhood around us, they need to see healthy marriages in this church because your marriage is a picture of Christ in the church. So we witness to our neighbors in part by having good and healthy marriages. So it was important enough to us to say, you know what, one weekend a year, we're going to take a whole bunch of people out of our congregation, off of our staff, and out of our volunteers, and we're going to go away for a weekend and invest in marriages. And i got to tell you, it was a fantastic time. Lots of great reports from other folks, uh, for a lot of people who were there. Uh, I think we learned some things, but what we did, I think more than anything else, is we laughed an awful lot. Um, yeah, we laughed a lot. There's, there's some stories I could share, but I probably shouldn't, so I won't. Uh, but I do want to show you a video, a quick video of uh, just some pictures of, of the last weekend in case you missed it. So.
Lots and lots of fun, lots of uh, memories I think that were made, and you know what, we're going to be doing this again next year, and uh, so pay attention and, and be listening for our dates and location for next year. You're not going to want to miss it. We're going to expand and allow somewhere between 75 and 100 couples, and I think we'll sell out of those as well as the word spreads. Um, uh, this is going to get bigger and bigger, and it's incredibly important. Here, The thing with marriage is it, it requires us to be all in, doesn't it? Uh, how many weddings have you been to where it's time for the vows? And during the vows, the, the, the groom-to-be looks at his wife-to-be wife in the eyes and says, I guess I'll try a little bit to be a decent husband. Sometimes. If you do things I like you doing. Or, or the, the bride-to-be looks at her groom-to-be and says, I guess I will somewhat kind of follow you maybe if I have to. Some of the time but only if you're a good husband. Have you ever heard of wedding vows like that? No, of course you haven't. Have you ever seen a, a, a marriage that looks like that? Yeah. Right? But going in at the wedding, at the ceremony, we know the importance of going all in in our marriage. When we're looking at our groom or our bride-to-be in the eyes, we know how much is at stake. We know how important it is to be all in in our marriages. We know how important it is beyond marriage to be all in as parents, don't we? How many of us would tell our kids, listen, you're here for the next 18 years or whatever, I don't really care. Um, whatever you become, you become. Whatever, it's up to you. That's really not our attitude, I hope, as parents, right? That's not. Of course, we realize that if our kids, if we're going to produce children that are Christ followers, that we're going to produce children that are, that are valuable members of society, that as parents, we need to be all in. We understand that. What about, how many of you like to watch football? There, I know a lot of you, it's probably an idol. It's a different conversation for a different day. Your beloved Buckeyes, right? Your, your beloved Buckeyes. Could you imagine before a game, the coach looks at the football team and says, listen guys, I don't, it's not about winning and losing. It's about enjoying today. Right? That pregame pep talk, how excited would you be if the Buckeyes took the field and like, we're just here to make memories and have fun, guys. We don't care if we win or lose. No, you want them to be all in, right? Every play, every down, you want them to be all in, to give everything that they have. It's what's expected of them. How many of you are an employer... Can you imagine interviewing a potential employee and having that a potential employee say, listen, I am here for the paycheck and you know what? I'll work as hard as it takes to, you know, to get the paycheck. Would you, be, would you be like, dude, you're hired. That's level of honesty. I've never encountered it before. You're awesome. No, you'd be like, next. Why? Because we want our employees to be all in for the business or the church or whatever it is that you're leading, you want them to be all in. Saying, you know what? I'm not going to leave anything in the tank. I'm going to give everything I have to this organization. Why? Because it's required. If we're going to win in life and to have success in whatever it is we're doing, it's going to be required of us to go all in. What about our faith? What about our walk with Christ? How many of us would say, Jesus, I'm going to follow you just so long as it's convenient and you give me everything that I ask. None of us would say that, would we? 
No, it requires us to be all in. We say, Jesus, we're going to surrender ourselves to You. Submit to Your Lordship. Which, by the way, makes Him our Master. You know, we say that, but do our lives reflect it? I think all too often in Christian communities, our lives reflect an attitude of, I will follow You just so long as it's convenient and You give me what I want out of life. I believe, unfortunately, we've fallen into cultural Christianity. And we've, and we've, we've bypassed the Lordship of Christ in our everyday lives. Are we really truly all in for the Kingdom of God? Because friends, that's what is required of us. To be all in. Surrender to the Lordship of Christ. What does it mean to be all in? That means that we are all in. That means we have surrendered our families. We have surrendered our spouse. We have surrendered our finances. We have surrendered everything about our lives to the Lordship of Jesus, trusting that as we do that, we bring Him glory and it is for our good. Now God will bless your surrender and it may look different in different times and in different ways. But we are to surrender our lives to Christ and be all in. Friends, Berean Baptist Church. Mansfield, Mansfield needs us to be all in. Our neighbors who are surrounding this church building need us to be all in for the kingdom of God. They are desperate for it. We're today, we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 10, verses 1 through 12, if you'd like to turn there in your Bibles. If you don't have a Bible with you today, we'll have the text on the screen. Uh, also, if you're watching online, we'll have the text on the screen as well. Let's turn to God in prayer before we get started in this. God, thank You for allowing us to be here. Thank You for the marriage retreat and all that You did there and are going to continue to do. But God, thanks for allowing us to be here. Thank You for allowing us to open Your Word and see life. God, as, as we, we go to this particular text and think about being all in for Your kingdom, God, I, I repent for ways that I've withheld. God, it's so easy not to make excuses, but it's so easy to, to be taken by the tyranny of the urgent and the here and now and forget that I need to surrender it all to You. For You are good and You are worthy. Whatever You ask, God, help us to follow. Help our answer to always be, yes, Lord. May Your Holy Spirit guide and direct my words today in our hearts and help us to take a step closer to You. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Luke chapter 10, verses 1-12. through 12. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of Him two by two into every town and place where He Himself was about to go. And He said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into His harvest. Go your way. Behold, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, Peace be to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not, it will return to you. And remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they provide, for the laborer deserves his wages. Do not go from house to house. 
Whenever you enter a town and they, are, they receive you, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick in it and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But whenever you enter a town and they do not receive you, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. Now what is this text? What are we learning here? You see, Jesus has these 72 disciples that he's getting ready to send out into the towns, the highways and byways, if you would, to go and to make way uh, his coming and the kingdom that is at hand. So he's sending these 72 out before himself to go and to reach these folks. And there's a lot we can learn from it. We're going to be looking at it in, in a little bit of detail here in just a moment. But if you are a Bible student at all, uh, if you like to study the Word of God, the first two words of this chapter should jump off the page to you. Those two words are, after this. And that begs an obvious question, right? The question is, after what? Well, to see that after what, we need to back up a little bit and go into chapter 9 and look at verses 57 through 62. So let's go ahead and do that now. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another he said, Follow me. But he said, Lord, let me go first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, Leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my house. Jesus said to him, No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Now this almost seems like Jesus is being, he's asking aloud out of his followers, isn't he? If you're going to follow me, you need to abandon your family. And one part he talks about a guy who's, I just want to go bury my dad. And it almost sounds cruel what Jesus is asking here. My first point this morning for our text is this. When, we are, when Jesus is calling us to follow Him, we are to give up everything or nothing. We are called to be all in. We're either going to give up everything or we give up nothing. He says, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Man, that seems like He's asking an awful lot out of us. In some cases, like in our text, some might be called to give up their home. He says, Jesus, and Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. He's saying, You're going to have to give up all of the comforts of life if you're going to follow me. You're going to have to give up your home. Come and follow after me. Some is going to be called to give up time. He says, Let the dead bury the dead. Doesn't that seem awfully cruel? The guy says, I just want to go back and bury my dad, and then I'll come and follow you. You see, most likely in this text here, what the, the, this guy's dad wasn't dead. He was referring to his obligation as a son to go live with his dad live out so his, until his dad lives out his days and then passes on, at which time he would then feel free to follow Jesus. Jesus says, listen, I am in the life-giving business. You worry, let them worry about the dead. You come and follow after Me. Sometimes we're called to give up family for the sake of the Gospel. And here's the thing, if we choose to hold on to worldly possessions over following Christ, or even family, even friends, even our comfort, you will, you will not have the ability to follow Christ the way you've been called to follow Him. It is all or nothing. 
What is it in our lives that we are putting before Christ? Is it a person? Is it a family member? Is it our finances? Is it our, is it our work? Listen, this isn't one of those messages where I'm going to look at you and telling you guys are all doing it wrong. Not unless I'm sitting there with you. So often in my life, so often in my life, whether intentional or not, I find myself living for my own life and not for Christ. So often it's easy to say, you know what, right now I'm going I'm to totally give myself to this thing. I'm called to give all. I'm called to lay it all down at the foot of the cross. We all are. We're called when we call, we're called to follow Jesus. That means we have to be all in, submitting all of our lives, all of our family, all of our friends to Christ and His lordship. Now, does that mean you need to go burn, you know, withdraw all the money from your bank account and just light it on fire and say, "I'm not going to have any comfort anymore in my life. I'm not going to have anything that causes me to have any kind of privilege in my life. I'm going to give it all away for the cause of Christ." Probably not. But what if you were called to do that? What, what if you were called to give everything that you had? What if, parent, your daughter was called to go be a missionary in Iraq? Would you willingly submit to the Lordship of Christ in that? Or would you say, no, 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 no I know better. That's too dangerous for her. Well, I've got two daughters. And that would be a struggle. That would be a struggle. If my, one of my daughters was called in that way, what if one of my kids was called to be persecuted for the sake of Christ? Notice I didn't say, what if I'm called to be persecuted? You know, as a dad, that's almost easier, isn't it? To say, I'll submit to that. But what if it was my daughter that was called to be persecuted for the sake of Christ? Would I say, yes, Lord, nothing is off the limits. We are all in. Because when we say that, while it may sound crazy to you, that what we're really saying is, God, I recognize that I'm not in control anyways. That you're in control. I recognize this isn't about me. This is about you. And oh yeah, I recognize the fact that you are a good father and know what's best. Are we willing? Are we willing to go all in for the cause of Christ? Because when we choose to hold on to those worldly possessions, over following Christ, we are unable to follow Him the way we've been called. Friends, what are we willing or unwilling to let go of in order to follow Christ? I don't do soft sale evangelism. I don't do the, the message of just a Savior. He's Lord and Savior. He is our Master. And when we're called to follow Jesus and put our faith and trust and hope in Him, we are called to submit our entire lives to Him. We are called to be all in. So what does that mean? What do we have to give up in order to follow Christ? We give up everything to follow Christ. And it was modeled for us by God Himself. He would never ask us to do, and we'll come back to this, He would never ask His followers to do anything that He would not be willing to do. So why then follow Him? Because He's good. Friends, all these things that we're talking about to lay down and to say we're all in, God's going to do a better job with them than I am or ever am. You know, God loves my daughter more than I do. So if He calls her to go somewhere or even suffer persecution, I trust that He knows better than I do. 
Boy, that's easy to say and hard to do and believe, isn't it? But if we're going to be all in, that's got to be our attitudes. Our second point is this. We're called not to be all in alone, but we're called to serve with others, to be all in together. Together. Uh, and the text says this, After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them out on ahead of Him, two by two, into every town and place where He Himself was about to go. Jesus didn't say, hey, listen, one person, you go over here, you're on your own. No, there were 72, a group of people. And two by two, they were called out, sent out into, uh, into the harvest. Jesus sent 72, 72 people to pave the way for His presence. Now think about this. If Jesus used 72 faithful servants who were all in for the kingdom of God, what could he do with six or seven hundred Bereaners in Mansfield, Ohio, who are all in for the kingdom of God? What, what could he do with 20 people in Mansfield who said, I'm all in, Lord. Yes, Lord. What could he do? He could do incredible things right here in Mansfield. I know many of you, and I know, I know many of us in this room and watching online, we so desperately want to see revival in our neighborhood and our community, don't we? Are we willing to go all in to make that happen? And again, this isn't a financial conversation, although finances are part. Are we willing to just submit all of our lives to the Lordship of Jesus Christ? All of our possessions, our family. What could God do with 72? And what could He do with everybody at Berean? He sent them two by two. Why? Because we're better together. We're better together. You know, when you go out in twos, there's accountability. It's, it's easy, by the way, if you engage in conversation, evangelistic conversation, it's easy to make up excuses or, or the moment to, to kind of move the conversation away from Christ, isn't it? But when you're there with another person, there's accountability to stay, on, stay at the task at hand. One of the first ministries I was ever part of was a motorcycle ministry. And uh, we, we went to all these different kind of motorcycle events, and there's all these Harley guys and, and motorcycle gangs and all that kind of thing. But before, when we got to an event, we'd kind of pair up in twos and be sent out. I was always the last guy to get chosen. You know, I was like the kid who's super unathletic and you're in gym and you're going to, you pick two captains to pick their teams for like kickball or something. Yeah, whenever we were doing this two by two thing, I was a kid standing at the wall at the very last. Why? Because I had this thing, I was in my like earlier mid 20s, and guys in their earlier mid 20s don't always make them the most wise decisions. There should have been laughter there. You don't know any guy in the early mid 20s. Anyways. But I, I wanted to find the scariest looking people I could find and go talk to them. Because I thought it'd be cool to get shanked for Jesus, right? So I'd go find the scariest looking people at any event that I could and go share my faith with them. Just, you know, we'll see how this goes. Not everybody shared that same enthusiasm. So a lot of guys would be like, uh, nah, I pass on Dan. But anyways, we're at this one thing, a Harley Fest in, in Detroit, Michigan. And, uh, you know, true to form, I'm looking for the scariest group of people or person I could find. Well, I found it. This guy was like Jack, big, strong guy, right? Uh, sleeveless shirts, tattoos everywhere, you know, on his neck, on his face, on his arms. This guy looked completely terrifying. Stuff that, like, nightmares are made of, right? And uh, he got all the leather on and all that kind of stuff. I'm like, oh, this guy, 
this guy, this, he's probably going to beat me up. This will be awesome. So I start walking to talk to this guy, and I notice I turn around, and my buddy's like 40 yards behind me like, you got this, man. You know? I get up, I get talking to him, share my faith, have a conversation. He turns to walk away, and on the back of his vest, it says Christian Motorcyclist Association. <laughs> the scariest looking dude in Detroit. He's already a Christian. Well, uh, you know, it was, it was a crazy moment, but there was other moments that, that happened that actually provided some fruit. But again, they're called to go and choose for accountability. There's also, you go and choose for safety reasons. You know, you're not just going out on your own. But there's also the believability when there's more than one person sharing your faith. You know, when somebody's there to bear witness to your testimony, it has more power and influence in somebody's life. And again, Jesus didn't ask His followers to do anything He wasn't willing to do. He's sending them to go out before He comes so that they might have a shot at the Gospel of, of, of Jesus Christ. Guys, we're called to be going out, not just staying here. While we do things like give invitations here where if you don't know Jesus, listen, I would love to share my faith with you. I'd love to, to pray with you as you accept Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. We do those invitations here and give people an opportunity to do that. But do you know where the most invitations should happen? In your house. In your neighborhood. Listen, God called you to bear witness. God puts you in your community, in your circle of friends, in your circle of influence, knowing full well exactly who you were. Whether you were a good speaker or you were a poor speaker, whether you were introverted or whether you were extroverted, God puts you where you're at on purpose. And He has given you a mission. He has given you the mission to share your faith with a lost and hurting and dying world. I think we've, again, we've, we've fallen into this comfort zone in Christianity and become cultural Christians. We're, we're called to be all in. I believe that things are going to be changing in our country in the next 20 or 50 years or whatever it may be. Maybe sooner than that. Where some of what we preach from the pulpit here may become illegal to speak. We are not trending towards righteousness as a society if you haven't noticed. So what then? What about your children and grandchildren? Will they remain cultural Christians? And as soon as things start getting tough, will they just, will they just forsake their faith? What kind of example are we going to lead, leave in the time where things are good and easy for us? Guys, now more than ever, it's time for the church to be all in. Things aren't trending towards righteousness. And it's going to take a work of the Lord. It's going to take a repentant church. It's going to take a church that has had revivals in the, members, in the hearts of the members to change the course of the direction that we're headed. Are we willing to be all in? Because the stakes are awfully high. Third point is this. The soil is prepared. Christ asks us only for our faithfulness. We need to have an all-in type of faith. Listen to this text here. And He said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into His harvest. Jesus, God, has beaten us there. He's sending us out to places He's already been. Now this particular text is, a, is an important one to me personally. 
You see, years ago when I was first re- returned and re- uh, recommitted my life to Christ, I decided to set out to read the New Testament. And when I got to this particular verse, I couldn't pass by. Have you ever been? Have you ever done that when you're reading a, a, a verse in the Bible and you just can't move on to the next one? God just grabs your attention with one. You get stuck there. That's what was happening with me. And as I was stuck there, I felt like the Lord was telling me, Dan, I am calling you to be a labor, laborer in my harvest. Now you might say, well, yeah, that's like a pastoral call. No, that's not the pastoral call. That's a call to every single follower of Jesus. Do you know if you are a follower of Christ, you have been called to be a laborer in His harvest? Now He's prepared this soil. It's His harvest. He has called you to go and be a laborer, a gatherer in His harvest. Friends, again, we will never go anywhere God hasn't been. We gather only where He has sown. If if you ever catch me having a conversation with somebody who has yet to put their faith in Christ, one of the questions I'll always ask is, what has God been doing in your life? You say, well, that might be a strange question to ask somebody who doesn't have faith in Christ. But I believe that God has already been active in their lives. If you're in this room or watching online and you don't yet have a relationship with Christ, what has God been doing in your life? Because I believe if you think about it, you'll be able to think of a time or two or maybe several where you had wondered, is this God? Is He doing something in my life? And our job as Christians is to help them discover those things that God has already been doing in their lives. You're not going to beat the Holy Spirit to a person. He will have already been there. He's beaten us to that person. We gather where He has sown. Also, the harvest, this is important to know, the harvest will always have room for more laborers or gatherers. It's not the work of a pastoral staff, although that is part of our job. It's the work of the entire church. It's the work of it's your work as a follower of Jesus Christ to be a gatherer, to be a laborer. You might say, "Well, I don't know where I fit in." Share your faith. Share your faith. Don't worry so much about what is going on around you or all that, what everybody else is doing. What has God called you to do in your circle of influence, in your sphere, and do it. Ask the question: Am I doing my part as a gatherer? Or have I become a sideline Christian? Watching how things are moving and advancing in the kingdom of God, but not taking part. Because I can tell you with confidence that not one of you have been called to be a cultural or a sideline Christian. None of us have been. We've been called to be all in. To be part of the team. We've been called to be a gatherer, to be a laborer where God has already sown in His harvest. My final point is this. Don't expect this to be easy just because you've been called to do it. We need to be all in in the face of adversity. Because as we move to that, as we are all in the Kingdom of God, there will be adversity. Listen to what Jesus tells this group of 72 as His pregame pep talk before sending them out. Go your way. Behold, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Have you ever owned a lamb? Can I tell you, they're not very intimidating. They're, they're really not as scary. You know, they don't really have fangs. They don't have claws. They barely have a brain. <laughs> not the smartest animal. Not a lot to protect themselves other than being in a group, but you're sending them out as lambs in the midst of wolves. There is no promise of safety when we go all in for Christ. 
There is no promise that we, God will keep us physically safe. There is none. There is no promise, by the way, of receiving any kind of in-kind blessing. What do I mean by that? I've heard people talk about things like, listen, if you want a new car, give yours away, and then God will, be, God will give you a nicer car. Now, if you want to test that out, I'll take your car. But it doesn't really work that way. Now, does God bless our giving? Does God bless our surrender? 100% absolutely He does, but it's on His terms, not ours. You get that? 100%. God is going to bless your surrender. God is going to bless you know, you, your, your financial giving. He's going to bless your, your stewardship. But He's going to bless all those things. Your faithfulness, He will definitely bless, but it will be on His terms and not ours. We don't get to dictate how He's going to bless us. There's no guarantee of fruit in our faithfulness. Do you know that? Like We're called to be fruitful, but are we going to be fruitful in harvesting every time we have a conversation with somebody? No. There's going to be rejection at times. As a matter of fact, there's likely going to be more rejection than you're going to have people accept Christ. Our job is faithfulness. There should be an expectation of danger. There should be an expectation of self-sacrifice as we serve God and go all in. And again, there is an expectation of our faithfulness here. Are we going to submit to the Lord and go all in for Him? Are we willing to go all in in our faith as a church? Guys, I believe God is getting ready to do... He's already been working in this, in this church and has been for years. But I believe God is getting ready to do a new work in our community through Berean Baptist Church. I believe it's right there in front of us. I can almost see it, smell it, and taste it. But it's going to require us, nobody else, not the person to your right, not the person to your left, every one of us, it's going to require us to go all in in our faith. It's going to require us to say, yes, Lord, whatever the question may be. That's what it's going to be required of us. And we can do so in confidence. We can do so in trust. Why? Because God is good. Listen, God loves you more than you could ever love yourself. God is more concerned with your future than you are. So when we ask us to trust Him, to lay everything else down, and to go all in and follow Him, He is worthy of hearing, yes, Lord. Do you trust Him? Because that's really what this comes down to. If you boil this down, what we find out is, do we trust Jesus or do we not? Will your, will your answer today be, yes, Lord? To going all in. Friends, together in Christ, we have been called, equipped, and directed to reach our neighborhood. And I think most of us who are followers of Jesus Christ, either here or online, we believe it wholeheartedly that we have been called, we have been equipped, and we have been directed to reach our neighborhood. Are we doing everything we can to reach them? You know, when you leave here today, I want to give you a, home, a couple homework assignments. One is this, pick a neighborhood close by and drive through it. And if your heart isn't already broken for people in that neighborhood, ask God to break your heart for them. There are people all around us that do not know Christ. And here we are, God has given us this beautiful place, beautiful location in the middle of it all, in our neighborhoods. And He's put us here together to reach the people and around us. Are you going to be willing to have your heart broken 
to reach those people. And I hope so. I hope so. God is already at work in the lives of our neighbors. And He is calling us to gather where He has sown. Will we obey Him in every way that we possibly can? I want to tell you about one of the ways that in this next uh, few months and a couple of years that we're attempting to, to position ourselves to reach our neighborhoods. And I'm going to tell you a couple of ways that you can uh, join us in that. So we were starting something, and, and I'm going to, there's going to be a huge caveat. So listen carefully. Don't shut me off after I say something about money. We are starting next week a, a capital campaign to, to raise the funds to improve our building, to make it a place that is a, a, a more attractive, if you will, or more structurally sound in some ways, so that we can use this facility as a tool to continue to reach our neighborhoods. Now, while there is a financial component in this, you can be involved in other ways as well. And I want to talk to you about that. But before I do, I want to just kind of give you a quick overview or a couple pictures here of a children's facilities. So what we're looking to do over the next couple of years are improve some, uh, improve some space in here, including our cafe area. That was the old nursery. We're looking to uh, get that started almost right away. Um, the, the probably not fun thing that we need to do in the next year or two is replace our roof. And that comes at a significant expense. And uh, we also, in these pictures I want to show you here, are going to be um, uh, really creating a space for our children's ministry that make kids excited about entering into our children's church. And I think that's super important. Uh, and we want to do all these things, also important, we want to do all these things while remaining debt-free. Um, if you didn't know this, that we at Brian Baptist Church, we are currently debt-free, and we want to stay that way. We don't want to become in debt to do any of these things. So pictures up on the screen, did you already show them? Uh, that's the lobby that we're proposing that we're wanting to make for the kids. And uh, can we go to the next one? I think it's the exterior. No, that's the hallway. That's the exterior. So why would we do this? Why would we kind of make it look like a theme park, if you would, for the kids' ministry? Well, the answer is really simple, and it has everything to do with children as they're coming into our space. Now, if you come in today, you might notice that we, we try to improve the look of our sanctuary and our lobby and all those things. Why do we do that if they're already like structurally sound? Well, every space has, has kind of a psychological impact, and it communicates something to people who enter it. Uh, if, if you don't believe me, walk into a really junky building. It communicates something about what's going to happen in that building. We want to make sure that when a kid gets out of their car for the first time coming here, or maybe their hundredth time coming here, as they enter into our building, they know without a shadow of a doubt that they are important and they are loved. And this is one of the ways we can do that. We also want them to run in. We want them to see this space and be excited about being at church. We want kids to be excited about being at church. Now, the picture we don't have for you for one of our improvements is our community room or our junior church or kids' church room. That's probably going to be the first uh, uh, um, building project that we start. We, we had said earlier on that was going to be the lobby and the uh, exterior, but I've asked our children's team to make our kids' church the first area that we improve, mostly because this is the area they're going to spend most of their time in, and I want to make that a special place for them as we possibly can. So how can you join? How can you join a church body in making these things happen while we continue to be debt-free? The first one's going to be a surprise. And it's also the most important part way you can take, play a part in what God has called us into. And that is this, repenting. Yes, repenting. We need to be spiritually fit. We need to have spiritual health in our church. 
What if God, what if, what if all of a sudden we had 3,000 people here on a Sunday? That in some ways we'd be like, wow, this is awesome. But if, what, if we, what if we were spiritually unhealthy when they got here? That wouldn't be a good thing. We need to repent ourselves and make sure that there's been revival in our own hearts before we ask God to use us to reach our neighbors. We need to repent from our besetting sins. We need to repent from withholding things from God and not being all in. We also need to be praying. Would you join us in praying that God will use us collectively to reach our neighbors? Listen, God will be moved, I believe, by those prayers. When we repent and we, we go all in for Christ and we pray and we ask Him to bring a movement in our own hearts and through us, our neighbors. I believe that God will do that. Will you pray and join us in that way? Also, pray and ask God how you might contribute financially, whether it's a one-time gift or a pledge over the next two years. We're going to be accepting those both next Sunday, May 2nd. By the way, I want to throw this out here. We've just been talking about this uh, just a, for a little while. Did you know already, without even doing any kind of concerted effort, or we've already raised $30,000 for this without even really talking about it? It's just absolutely incredible how generous you guys are and how good God is. But what if you're here and you're like, you know what, I don't have any money to give. I'm tapped out. Listen, your repenting, your praying is every bit as important, even maybe more so important than this. Or maybe you can grab a hammer when it's time to start doing demolition and help out physically. Can I tell you, and I don't, I don't know if this doesn't sound wrong, but for each individual here, like if you don't give a penny to this, like that's okay with me. Here's what I want. I want us to be faithful. I want us to be all in. For some of you, that's going to look different than it is for others. Some of you might say, I'm going to underwrite an entire one of these projects. And some might say, all I can do is come and give you some time. Listen, both are important. Both are important. And you're going to notice over the next several weeks, this isn't going to be a capital campaign that you've ever kind of witnessed before. Why? We're not going to even talk about it every week. Is it important? Do I believe it's important? Yes. I mean, we wouldn't be doing this if I didn't think it was important. You know, me and my family, we're going to sacrificially give and we're, all those things. But listen, it's not the most important thing. I want to make sure that the soil is right. I want to make sure that our hearts are right. That we are going all in and following Christ. There are several ways that you can, several on-ramps and ways where you can participate in this. And I'm going to ask you to be praying about what that might look like. In fact, let's pray right now and then we're going to close with a song. Dear Heavenly Father, thank You for this day. For Your goodness. For Your calling. As hard as it is to go all in. As hard as it is to give up everything. God, You make it so easy. Well, we talked about how tough this is and how we have to give up everything. The thing we didn't talk about a lot is just how good You are and how You will bless and You will reward our faithfulness. But God, we want to be motivated. We want to be motivated for our faithfulness and to go all in by how we love You. How we want to glorify You because of what You've already done. Help us to move forward with confidence with trust. Help us to be all in church. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.